Thanks. Fake it. Well, I won't have to fake it if you know what you're doing. Hmm. I know what I'm doing. Hello, hello, and welcome to Killer Casting. I'm Lisa Zambetti, a casting director in Los Angeles, probably best known for my work on CBS's long-running procedural criminal minds. And I'm so happy that the show I worked on is going to be dropping August 10th called Reservation Dogs. It's on FX, and it's written and directed by Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi. And I'm just so proud of it. The series regulars are all Indigenous cast members. And I just had a remarkable time going to Oklahoma and helping to find these amazing actors. Any hoodle, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about, of course, Mr. In-Between. We are in the thick of it. Today, we're going to be going over episode seven, I'm Your Girl, and episode eight, which is called I'll See You Soon. And with me today is... Hello, it's Brian A. Hill from Los Angeles, California. Hello, hello. Hey, Brian, Brian. what's up? Nothing. Just uh, I'm dreading the series finale. I know, I know. And uh, oh, and to chime in with us today is also Dean from Melbourne. Hello, everyone. And yes, like you, Brian, very conflicted about this amazing series coming to an end. Well, we have some great guests coming up before it's all over with. We, of course, have dropped our Nick Kassam interview. We're going to be dropping our Damon Harriman interview and our Scott Ryan interview. And we have one last special guest that we are crossing our fingers that we will get after the finale. But you'll have to wait to hear about that one. But okay, so let's go to episode seven. I'm your girl. So the first girl we're dealing with in this episode episode is Freddie and his girl. So you want to talk about this scene that gets us into the episode? Because the episode kind of changes into a totally different vibe, you know, halfway through. But what do you think about this op- opener? Well, I, I immediately expected comedy because the last time we saw her was around the toilet paper uh, controversy between the two of them. Ah, right? Right. You know what I mean? So I, I, I immediately anticipated comedy, but something really odd like happened for me. This was the first time because, because Freddie is beat up and disheveled. It's the first time I'm seeing him like with a younger body. If you Mm. look at the scene, it's Mm -hmm. like, he's, he looks more slight. He's in a really oversized shirt Mm -hmm. and it's just very strange. He's, he's never looked this kind of diminutive, diminutive and weak. 
I noticed um, that too. Which is really interesting. Yeah, he definitely almost had like a plaintive sort of whine to him. I mean, he was definitely like getting his hands smacked for yeah. his gambling. And, you know, she clearly rules the roost, his girl. Um, and, you know, she wants him to talk to Ray to get him out of this gambling debt. And he does not want to. And, of course, he forgot the dunny paper. What is dunny paper? You know? Toilet paper. Toilet paper. What is oh. this? Is, so this is toilet paper again. This is the That's this is hilarious. the thing about the scene. Yeah, when she and he's walking off, and she's like, "Oh, where's the dunny paper?" And he just stops, and he and who hasn't done that? Stop, look down at your feet, and gone up. Oh, fuck, like you right. forgot the dunny paper. So yeah, what does dunny refer to? Is there any? Uh, a dunny is an Aussie word for an uh, well, classically an old outback toilet. You know, like an old standalone toilet. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. But so, yeah, dunny paper. I mean, I figured that's what it was, but I thought it was funny. Okay, so that's that. And we walk in. Okay, the next girl in this is Ray's girl, Britty, where Ray's at home. I love when he's in his flip-flops. There's something. There's nothing funnier than a hitman wearing flip-flops. Um, <laughs> and he goes to answer the door. He walks in on Britty. Dad! Right? She's like, I'm changing. <laughs> and I just love the look on his face. Like I love his reaction, his verbal reaction, just like, Oh boy. <laughs> right. Great. So we start the scene off kind of light, kind of goofy. And knock knock who's at the door. But what is what is Freddie's girlfriend's name? I forget what it is. Michelle. Michelle. So Michelle's at the door. She wants to talk to him. You know, she says, look, Freddie's in a bit of trouble, which is no surprise to Ray. Um, and she wants him to help to take the pressure off of whoever is, you know, roughing him up for his gambling debt. So, uh, Ray goes to see Remy, who apparently is the big cheese. Um, so what do you make of this whole setup? It's a horse ranch, which, uh, you know, in, in America, I mean, if you're rich enough to own a horse, I mean, you, you've, you know, in a nice, uh, arena like that one, you, you've got, uh, you've got some pockets there. Um, yeah, he's he's a serious gangster. He's got some serious money, and if Freddie owes him money, and 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 Remy can have Freddie beaten up, he's got to be a very powerful dude. Yep. And then we see this big bruiser. Man, this guy is the size of a mountain. He's big. He's the gatekeeper. Ray is like, come on, you know, I want to see Remy, and I love the guys like not having it. And Ray takes him down by twisting his finger. <laughs> some kind of you know ninja. Finger takedown that drops him to his knees. Um, so tell me what you take about this whole section here, this whole Remy section. Bye bye. Um, well, I, I got the last card. Dean, why don't you sure go on? This um, one. I, I am I'm very nervous about Remy. I was nervous about Raph, uh, Raphael, who turned mm -hmm. out to be exactly the sort of scumbag that we that we all knew he was, mm -hmm. but. I'm also quite concerned about this Remy guy because he's an apex predator. And it, the, the calm way that he just composed himself or conducted himself with Ray, uh, he's, he's on another level. And, of course, he drops the immortal line to his uh, hired thug, do you know who that was? Mm -hmm. um, and he said no, and he goes, "That's the magician because he makes people disappear." First time it's ever been referenced yeah. in the series. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have a sense of foreboding about his his character. Now, whether that plays out or not, I don't know because we've had things that have you know gone down one road and then just well, they've left them there. So I don't know, but I'm not happy. 
<laughs> I mean, the so, scene definitely had some danger to it, but it seemed like the scene exists to show who Ray is, what his his uh, reputation brings with it. Bree, Bribo? Because because we've never we've never really had that. We've never had that person say like, "Do you know who that guy was?" That's the natural right there. He hit the ball and exploded the lights. It's that guy. And um, there's a kind of reverence that he has is showing like how dangerous Ray is, but it is also like by, by mentioning the fact of the magician, you know, for me, it brought up the whole thing that we've been talking about the last couple episodes of Ray being like a shadow, being a non-entity, like until he decides to make his presence known, he's just a ghost, mm-hmm. you know? And to me, this is just a, another kind of reinforcement of that, I guess, mm. by referencing the magician. Also, Remy, I think, stands in contrast to Raphael based on what we see in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Remy is calm, collected, a man of power. Rafi shows his true colors like right. when it becomes clear. And it seems Remy understands the long game. It's like, yeah, I will do this favor for this guy because he can really come in handy and I'll honor my word to him and you know take the pressure off of. And it's great that Ray is like, I'm not asking you to delete his debt. I'm not asking for anything big. It's just do this little favor. So, yeah, it's it, it definitely raises Ray's status. And while, you know, the little douchebags on the street who bump into him and knock his ice cream or whatever, they don't know who he is. But at the high highest echelon of crime people do know who he is and, there's and that, what there's, he's done yeah and there's that that notion of the code yeah. right mm. here are two men talking together negotiating right and doing so in good faith yeah 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 uh and then we cut to gazzy with the girls which you know i i, I realize later that i guess gaz is sort of in charge of Brittany for this <laughs> extended mm you know, work trip that Ray's going on. Who's in charge of who? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know, you know, after talking to Scott Ryan, you know how he was saying that some scenes kind of in the editing get switched around or after they shoot, they kind of move things around. I kind of, I'm wondering if all these scenes in the front end of this episode were really meant to be in other episodes and that this was always intended to just be a bottle episode, just the road trip episode. I'm wondering, if it was really intended to start with cut to Ray going into this nondescript office building, you know, it could be insur- in an insurance office. It could be a front to a meth lab, you know, who knows, who knows what it is, but I kind of got the feeling that that's really where the episode is starting. Yeah, um, for sure. I don't, I don't know what you guys think. No, um, well, absolutely. <clears throat> did you clock, did you clock who? So that was Raf's chop shop, right? So that's, I assume that that's what that was. It looked like a, uh, you know, uh, what do you guys call it? Automobile repair, you know, sort of place, but basically probably moving stolen cars and yeah. shop shopping and doing that sort of thing. But did you see who opened the door for Ray when he got there? I didn't clock who it was. Scumbag rich boy. Oh, is that who it was? Oh, yeah. Good eyes. Good eyes yeah. on that, you know. So I went, oh, no, I don't want to see you again either. Like, I don't know what that now means. we know what the connection is because we didn't it wasn't explained yes. in that episode why he would be doing such a huge favor for this kid. But now he's he's deeply involved yep. in the the weave of this. OK, cool. So, oh, my God. So he's greeted by Raphael. 
oh, I just hate this guy. He's doing a great job of just. Oh, he's so crushing it. Beefy. He is just so scuzzy every time. Oh. It's, and always on his phone. Like mm-hmm. to yeah. me, like it, like they all decided, they all got together and like, okay, what's an annoying trait that gets under everybody's skin? <laughs> oh, I got it. He's the guy who talks on his cell phone non-fucking stop. And he just laughs a little too much. Yes. Whenever he greets somebody, it's a little yeah. too effusive. Oh, I hate it. Anyway, um, and so he's introduced to Zoe. Now, this is normally the kind of an episode I love. I don't know what's happening. They're not spelling it out for me. This is going to be this is going to be a road trip episode. There's something I love more than a road trip movie, road trip anything. I'm here for it. So it does not bother me at all that clearly there's a game afoot. There's a con afoot, whatever. They don't explain what the plan is, who these people are. Everybody knows already who they are. There's no mm. need to explain. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. And, um, and, but it's very interesting. So she rides with him. She doesn't ride with Raphael. They're, you know, put together for some reason. Any thoughts before we launch into this buddy road show here? Yeah, look, there was an awkwardness to, I think, intentional, or it was just just her character. I don't know. But there's been some speculation about whether she's a cop. Like, she's not who she seems. I, I definitely got the sense that she was not a university student. And, you know, you see Raph putting a whole bunch of stuff in the boot of the car, including a spare tyre, which I assume was full of drugs. And it's like, oh, well, she's there so that Ray doesn't look suspicious to a police car driving along. But then Raph's by himself, so that doesn't make any sense. Um, And she's very quirky, isn't she? Um, And and it took me quite a while to tune into her wavelengths, but I got certainly got there in by the end of Ep Seven and certainly into Ep Eight. I I'm with you, Lisa, in terms of just letting the scenes be what they would be Mm -hmm. in real life, the kind of awkwardness and like, you know, just where your parents from? Oh yeah, no, never been. But I mean, it, the, the, the conversation is so stilted, yep. you know, and, which makes complete sense because they're total strangers. Right. You know what I mean? So they let the scene be quiet and let the kind of radio bed mm. playing underneath just kind of be the action, you know, be the conversation, which right. I, it's just, it may not be the best written thing on the planet, but it's such. It's ballsy, you know, man. It's it is such a cold drink of water. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It is so not what we're used to. It's a salve to yeah. like what we would get over here. And I just appreciate it. These quiet moments. I, I, I'm going to let's yeah. quiet is a word I'm going to use again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, obviously we're we're trying and trying as the audience member to figure out who is she. Now, she she doesn't seem to be any threat to him because he's not you know, icing her out. He doesn't have like a huge uh, wall up to her. You know, he's probably as chatty as we've ever seen him. So whoever she is, she's not like a threat in some way. The only the only thing is when he, he's driving and then the sun goes down and she falls asleep and you kind of see him looking at her. And I'm like, the only thing I sense is he's maybe a little worried. Like, is she going to be up for whatever this thing is that they're doing? Mm. Like, is he going to have to hold her hand through this or is she going to be up for it? He doesn't know yet. But I thought it was funny that Ray got to watch her 
Gaz would have killed. The PP man wasn't there to see yeah, the pee. Exactly. So, so they guy. get to the motel, and again, it's very confusing. Not, not confusing, but intriguing that they have to share a room. Like, why would they have to share a room? How cheap is Raphael? Like, what is it that's part of the plan that they have to share a room? So that's really interesting to me. And here's a, but here's another thing too. Beyond that, why does Rafi have to be there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the thing that. I can't imagine that Ray is really digging this situation much, this this dynamic with Rafi, because when he was head of security for Freddie, he had all kinds of autonomy. Yeah. And he's literally like being handheld. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So whatever it is, it's important enough that they have to have walkie talkies to make sure they give each other the signal. If a cop is passing by, it's important enough that they have to stay in the same, you know, motel that we would say. And she is completely at ease with this situation. It doesn't seem like she's a sex worker. She doesn't seem like a drug addict. You know, she's like, Hey, could you crack my back? Walk on my back. She's like nonplussed of this total stranger. She doesn't think he's going to sexually assault her. It's just really interesting. And by the way, I love when people walk on my back. So I, um, <laughs> I totally think that. that. And again, we don't know what the job is. They make a mention of they're running drugs. But still, why do they need her? Why do they need a uni student who's you know clearly got her shit enough together to be a graphic design major? Um, it's all just a big question mark. And I'm totally fine with that. But... And I hate to say this because I don't want to piss anybody off. I, you know, I don't want to piss off certain people who might be coming on the show. For me, this casting choice was one of the few missteps for me. And I know that Emily Barclay is a hugely accomplished young actress. She's just got all kinds of accolades. She's done theater. She's done all kinds of things. And I know that she was a good get for them. But for me, there just was not a spark between them. Not that it has to be an obvious spark, but there's just nothing about you know, Scott Ryan could have, you know, sparks with a banana. I mean, he's so compelling and not sexy in a traditional way, but there's something about him. Like I would, I would definitely do him. You know what I mean? I, I, th- I don't think that, you know, I think most women would find him like, wow, you know, I don't know. You like uh, him dangerous, Lisa. Yeah. He's dangerous. He's quiet. He's, he's trouble. He's trouble written all over. And I just didn't feel like she wasn't quirky enough for me to be quirky she wasn't I don't know I, you know when I try to describe it I I can't it's just something mm. in my gut as a casting director I just didn't see it doesn't I don't mean that she needed to be really commercially beautiful because I not I don't respond to that there was just something about her that it seemed like if you already knew who she was you had you maybe put more on her than she actually brought to the role. That's my opinion as a casting director. Well, mm. and I mean, I, I had the same issue. Part of it was we have an issue of a significantly older man and a mm. much younger woman, which I think is problematic. You mm. know, I mean, that's kind of like the typical fare. But Ali was younger than him, but I felt like they could be in a scene, like they could be in a relationship together. Like she could go toe to toe with him. There was a kind of, they right. were equals. They were equally matched. Yeah. Um, and she was attractive. And, and and again, like this, 
this actress is not unattractive, but I mean, but she's not in the same like pool as he is. They, she doesn't have the same kind of life experience. And again, I mean, I'm, I'm conjecturing because there's not a whole lot of dialogue to go on, but just based on the fact that she's a university student, graphic design student, right? It's not, she's really young. She, she doesn't have, have a lot of life under her belt. You know, and it just, uh, I, I'm with you. I, it just didn't make sense to me that, that there would be something there. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's every reason in the world why they wanted to cast her. And for them, I'm sure it felt just right in the pocket. But when I think of all the great young Aussie actresses, the Sarah Snooks, the Samara Weavings, the Bella Heathcotes, I mean, there are just so many um, some who are really charactery and different and off center and are the kind of people are the kind of women who would be up for this kind of an adventure for, for whatever reason. And especially I, looking at the scene right before they go, right before they pull over the road and she goes to take a pee, mm -hmm. like looking at the shot, she looks like she's on the border of like becoming a woman. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she's still like yeah. late teen looking. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? That bothered and, me. Yeah. That's and that's really, that's yeah. really, that's really bothersome. I think. She's too close to being Britty's age for me mm. to feel yeah. comfortable. Do well, you, you might remember Lisa, when we spoke to Scott, um, he mentioned that she was straight in. She was, he just went, I knew I wanted her mm -hmm. the same way I wanted Damon. So she was, she never auditioned. He was just like yeah. approached. Boom, in. Yeah, and that so, makes So he, he, he obviously felt that, you know, she was right for the role. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure it was a good get. But anyway, for me, it just it it, it just didn't work. Um, but anyway, you know, you got to roll with it. And I'm, you know, and I'm waiting and waiting to have a revelation about why her. You know, I'm, I kept just waiting to see it will make sense because I trust this writer and director that it's going to make sense. It's going to pay off somehow. I don't know if it did, but anyway, so they chitty chatty, they're getting close. Now she's talking about the I Ching and when bad things happen. What do you think about this? whole? Is this a foreshadowing when bad things happen, something good is around the corner, which doesn't mm. seem like something Ray would really believe. Like he knows bad shit happens and then more bad shit happens and you're lucky to escape with your life. I mean, what did you think about that whole conversation? It continues the awkwardness for me that she has, and it's she was still mystifying to me, Lisa, as you said. I kept waiting for the, the other shoe to drop to try and work out who is she really because I still don't mm -hmm. really believe that. And this was a very polarising episode, you know, on the socials. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were, like, not happy about the lack of action and how drawn out it was and all oh, that sort of yeah, thing. That didn't bother me whatsoever. No, 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 no. The pace, was, the pace was great and you knew that it was going to rebound because Scott and Nash, you just have faith that they're going to land it, right? So, yeah, it was it was weird that uh, a little conversation, Chinese food again for Ray, dim sims for Ray, <laughs> <laughs> sitting sitting in the motel eating the dimmies and, and takeaway and getting this little sort of romance going. Um, yeah, a, a very strangely written, considering he writes such good dialogue and good characters for women, you know, Ali and... Um, and and Brit, this was, I didn't I didn't know what he was doing with this one. And go ahead. Well, I was going to say, for me, that whole conversation I think is again demonstrating the evolution of Ray, because I think he's always seen bad things that have happened to him as things to hold, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
things to to bury and to like use right like to to not forget mm. and yeah, the principal Damn. you know what i mean 30, yeah 30 like years. the principal his dad you know mm. what i mean like um and for him to kind of say when something bad happens something good is right around the corner i mean i i found that to be fairly enlightened and i and i think it's just demonstrating like his continuing kind of spiritual journey mm -hmm. you know? um so at one point they she starts bringing up an old boyfriend and not good in the sack and for me this is going to be very anti-feminist some of my feminist friends will hate me for saying this but i think that when a woman brings up something like that she wants him to fuck her i mean you don't bring up how many orgasms you just don't go into that territory with a guy you know, especially somebody kind of new and you're, you're alone with, and you're sleeping, you know, in the same room with, you don't go down that road unless you want something to happen. Mm. Um, it's, it's a kind of a way of flirting and sort of getting the juices, you know, it's kind of a foreplay in a way. Yeah. Um, did you guys feel that? Yeah, totally. Oh Yeah. So they go out on the balcony. It's starting to get, you know, you can tell that something. Well, and uh, before that, can you roll me one of those cowboy? Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that fucking line. And he looks like, it, I mean, he does like with his button down shirt he, and he's rolling, you know, he's rolling his smokes with the filter. You know, he does. He looks like a cowboy. It's hilarious. But, but did you say the Did you say the reference that I put up, Brian? No. Uh, I, I put a video on our Facebook page. That is a direct lift out of the Jackrabbit Slims scene in Pulp Fiction. That's exactly what she says, Mia says to John Travolta's character. Oh, nice. Word for word. For word. Good catch, Dino. Good catch. Um, okay, so they go out on the balcony. You know something's going to happen. And you know what you kind of feel? I felt like, you know what? He deserves a nice time. You know? <laughs> he deserves to have as much fun as he's able to and to feel this way. And I love that they have the kiss, but it's from far away. You know, you don't get, he's very kind of, um, what I've noticed in his love scenes that Scott Ryan is, is a bit, almost like he's embarrassed maybe to show himself in a clutch. I don't know. I call it a clutch. But so it's a very, it's a far away shot of them on the balcony yeah. you know, coming together in a kiss, which I loved. I thought that was a great, a great choice. So at, what about the music at the end of this, Dino? What do you have to say? Uh, yeah, nothing. I I I I um I blanked out on this one. I didn't have anything. It didn't. It, nothing hit me about it in particular. I just noticed that when they were driving around, and especially in the next step as well, they've got a lot of just sort of country music, sort of stuff because they're out in the country. Mm -hmm. um, and and Australians have this weird fascination for American country music, <laughs> more so even than our own country music, which is kind of bizarre. So, you know, the I don't know what the tunes were, but they were just gently playing underneath in the car and then later on in their plate as well. So, um, yeah, uh, but nothing about the closing titles this time. Okay. Well, that must be why we have a Keith Urban. Isn't that his name, Keith Urban, who's married to Nicole Kidman? Yep. yep. He's the Australian country star. Yeah. That's All him. All right. Right there. Sorry. Put Zoe in my car. All right, love. We gotta go. Come on. Let's go. 
Legs in, feet across. Okay. It's all right. It's okay. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna get you to the hospital. All right. Come on. Okay. I'll see you soon, y'all. I'll see you soon. Okay. Let's turn. This is the penultimate, right? Am I saying that right? Yep. yep. That's Great. it. Let's turn to episode eight. I'll see you soon. Oh, okay. So we we basically have a continuation of where we left off. Uh, you know, however much time later, it's the morning. They're pumping gas, and it's all in the looks. These knowing exchanges between them. There's a lot of lingering looks of Ray looking at himself in the mirror and looking at her in the the side mirror. Um, so it just kind of sets this tone of the aftermath of, you know, what has happened, what has happened between them. Mm. And they're at the diner. Brian's probably going to mention the eating in silence, which is such a, it can be awkward, but it can also be kind of wonderful to be eating in silence with your head full of thoughts of the night before. Bye bye. Well, and the whole, whole bit with like stealing the fries and, <laughs> you know, it's just, again, like the, the quiet, I mean, the, the quietness of the show is just, remarkable mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean it's absent of anything it's just very still mm -hmm. and when she takes the picture of him and he's looking at the camera the way he's looking at it with the kind of intensity that he brings it's just it's mm. i mean he's got so much going on in his face it's just fantastic and then the end of the scene when they're both shaking their polaroids yeah yeah you know it's such a sweet little scene yeah it's, such a, uh, it's just great you know Anything? Yeah, this from the from the opening of episode eight, I thought this is what they were trying for with episode seven, and this entire episode I just think is one of the one of the greats in mm -hmm. in, in in the three series for all sorts of reasons. But yeah, just the that opening. Um, you mentioned before, Lisa, that they were just sort of looking at each other in little knowing glances. There was a comfort. There was a real, I thought there was a real genuine comfort between the two of them at that mm -hmm. time and in having and having breakfast as well. And Ray kind of, you know, flirting. And it's it was very un-Ray. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was, you know, nice, uh, affecting and affectionate, which is not what we've come to expect from Ray. So uh, I have sadly. to admit in this, oh, sorry. Yeah. I have to admit in this first little section here, I got a little whiff of crazy from her. There's something about the way she was, you know, getting out the camera to take his picture, something the way that she was looking at for me, because I don't know what's happening next. I'm like, mm, there's a little crazy there. There's a little something off. Something is bound to happen to reveal that. I don't know. Like what, what was that out there? Uh, Dean, that she was really a hit woman or I don't know what it was. Yeah. But there's um, there's going to be something, there's going to be a reversal of something and he's going to get his, heartbroken or is you know whatever mm. 
So they're back on the road. So this is, I noticed this about the shot. Now this scene is shot from the back seat, much the way that his scenes with Britty are. And the, the episode before this, they weren't, they were, you know, just the traditional side mm. angle shots. So we're, we're in the back seat, which I guess makes it more intimate. And they have this talk about voting. What is the thing about Australia? What were they talking about, dude? Well, okay, so we have compulsory voting over here. So if you, for federal and state, in fact, for all elections, uh, local council, state and federal, if you don't vote, uh, you get fined. So if, if your name isn't crossed off the electoral roll, uh, then you'll be asked to, as she said, you know, you got to prove, show good, show, show good cause why you shouldn't be fined. And that's what I thought was so hilarious about the conversation was that she totally inverted it and go, well, you prove I didn't vote. He says, this is bullshit. It's like maybe they crossed off the wrong name. I just, I was pissing myself laughing at that whole thing. Right, right. Right Um, up until it wasn't funny anymore. Well, for an American audience, it's really kind of funny given all of the fucking election nonsense that we've had to deal (laughs) with with that fucking former guy well, there's nothing yeah. more american than the right to vote and nothing less american than a compulsory yeah <laughs> i know, know right I, I was i was laughing at, at that wondering how that played out because here you get fined if you don't vote and uh, of course over there it can be a real struggle to actually cast your vote so it's the opposite right. so right. yeah funny stuff all right so i kind of saw this coming for some reason i had a, an instinct there was going to be some kind of crash and indeed they hit a kanga. Now, are there just kangaroos just running around everywhere in Australia? I mean, is this like a normal yeah. thing no, that happens? I, I, I was out drive, driving through WA, so driving through Western Australia when I was cave diving a few years ago, and at night, I, I don't know where they are. This is on the Nullarbor. So those Nullarbor means null arbor, no trees, right? So it's just flat. Mm. It's the, one of the flattest parts of the world ever. And during the day, you can't see a single kangaroo. And they, as we're coming back at night, they were lining the sides of the roads by the hundreds, wow. like a, a an Olympic flame, you know, <laughs> relay sort of thing. It was just <laughs> just bizarre. But, yeah, no, um, uh, people are killed uh, every year by those big um, hoppers. If they come through the windscreen, they're all they're all muscle, and they're 100 mm. and something well, kilos. Well, so. and the equivalent the equivalent here, are like uh, deer warnings. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you drive on the interstate, you know, sure. like in Wyoming or, you know, more rural, yep. you know. So they hit the kangaroo, and they have a major rollover. Have you guys ever been in a car crash like that? A rollover car crash or anything like that? Not a, not a rollover. No, I've been spun okay. around and hit T-boned um, out, of, out of nowhere, but not not like that. And what's weird about it is that when I really watched it today, like she, the, initially the car veers as the roux comes off the windscreen and then Ray grabs the wheel and wrenches it and it's actually him that causes the rollover. I played oh. it two or three times. Oh, wow. So I guess he didn't want to go off the road, but he caused the rollover instead. The likelihood that he could walk out of that without throwing up and passing out, you know, kind of stretched the, my imagination, but he, he gets out and he's trying to get himself together and he's checking on her and she's out in the distance. We see a truck coming or something coming and you know, it's, it's just not going to be, this is going to be like Fargo or, or something where this poor innocent bystander is it's yep. the last thing that he wants um, with this old couple coming up. Um, and he's already told Raphael, hey, we've been in a crash and Raphael's on his way back. So do you want to talk about this whole section in here? Rafi really showing who he is in this moment. His first reaction is to, I mean, he he escalates a situation that 
didn't need to escalate in this fashion and created a host of problems that, you know, Ray's going to have to fucking untangle. Right. And it shows to me, it shows a, a lack of kind of moral clarity or even, um, Criminal sophistication or any Criminal kind. sophistication. I yeah. mean, like he just, he overreacts in the worst way. So there's something going on where they can't, you know, they can't call an ambulance for whatever reason because they'll find the drugs or, you know, it's just not going to be possible to do what normal people would do if you get into a crash and they take out, you know, and then Rafi shoots this sweet older couple in their camper. Um, that was brutal when the yeah. older lady is running away and he just keeps, you know, pumping her full of lead. I mean, that Five was shots. That mm. was just uh, that actually reminded me, Dean, of Wolf Creek. There's a scene in Wolf. Oh, Creek really? So like that. God, I haven't seen that forever. Oh, um, yeah, and 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 I wondered whether that was Ray's personal RV too. Because <laughs> when we interviewed him, he had a white RV, and I'm thinking, it was hmm, white? Just like, I thought it was yeah. Black. Oh, okay. And I think that was just the dashboard where you had the phone balance. Oh, but okay. anyway, okay. who knows? Okay. Um, and so Ray is like trying to keep it together. He knows exactly what to do. He's got to clean up this fucking mess. You know, Raphael just wants to leave. And I knew the minute that Rafi shot those two bystanders, I knew there is no way he's going to let Zoe live. Cause he's not going to, she's, what is her use? I, we don't know what she was supposed to do in this con or whatever, but whatever it was, she definitely can't do it now. Whatever her mm. role was, she can't. So she's just, you know, garbage now to him that he just needs to get rid of. So talk about what the line I'll see you soon. I mean, the, the title of the, of the, of the episode and how that mm. is significant here. Such a bittersweet moment. Just... And, 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 and he, he just barely kisses her when he says it. Just mm -hmm. barely, I think on the forehead. Uh, yeah, just yeah, devastating. He her, yeah, he puts her in the car and tells Rafi, take her to the hospital, dump her out on the side of the road, you know. But mm. we know, we know that that's there's no way that that's going to happen. Um, and, and I thought it was interesting, it really struck me uh, so as much as we've been shit, shit bagging, shit canning, shit canning Rafa. When Ray said to him, in the camper, they just put the bodies in there. And he Ray said something like, you know, you fucking overreacted or you fucking idiot. And he just flips on, on a on a sixpence and says, What did you call me? They like, called him a fuckwit. Yeah, fuckwit. And he was really nasty, like boom, mm -hmm. you know, from panic all over the place to hey, don't push your luck. I'm, you know, you're not the boss of me, I'm the boss of you. Wow. Brilliant acting by Jeremy Sims. Just brilliant. I just yeah. thought he was he's just smashing this role. Anyway. So he's been in this major car crash. He has to dump the RV. He's got to bury the the couple. He digs a grave and he puts the quilt over them, which now in normal, you know, our criminal profiling, we would say that that indicates remorse mm. um, because what would be the the purpose really of putting the quilt over them. But um, so that was an interesting, and then he's got to figure out how to survive. You know? you know, I, I actually thought of a more practical kind of production sure. aspect, right? You don't have to have the old people in the hole as the dirt is being thrown on them. <laughs> that's what I, I mean, that's literally what I thought like, Oh, cause then they show the dirt being thrown on the blanket. It's yeah. like, Oh yeah. Those old people aren't there. <laughs> Yeah. Cause they didn't do it. They didn't do it with the young guy. Right. The young guy was actually in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, anyway, so, um, you know, and I just love that he's just sort of got to survive getting out of the uh, outback and he's got to fight off probably a concussion that he has. So he can't sleep and he's got to get water. He's got to get to town. He goes through all of this, gets a car and then finally finds Raphael. And I'm just sort of wondering, like, just real quick, just real quick. I'm sorry. So Dean, where, I mean, where in all likelihood, where is Dean when this is going down? Where is he walking from? And is he walking to, where's he walking to? Uh, He, Okay, so I'm tipping that was outback New South Wales. That would be the most um, <clears throat> logical, logistical place for them to shoot that, uh, out where they shot Mad Max 2, I think. But, um, yeah, it, it would be, you know, four, four hours' drive out of Sydney and he's got to find his way to just some kind of a, a town. Uh, it reminded me a lot of a movie called Walkabout, but anyway... Uh, Nicholas Rogue from from the 60s. Um, and, yeah, he's got to go into survival mode and um, Crocodile Dundee mode. He's got to get water and 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 find his way. So, I don't, I, you know, that red dirt is classic Aussie outback dirt and that's where he was and just trying to get to some pissy little town there where he steals the car and, um, you know, hightails it to to the um, rendezvous place for uh, well, yeah, meet Raph. One thing I definitely clocked and really appreciated was he's in jeans and a long sleeve shirt. Mm. He's not in shorts and a t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like he is prepared for being in the desert, which is that's what you should wear. And, you know, he grabs the hat and sunglasses from the old couple. So, but I was just curious, like, you know, logistically, like how far out was he from a town? Um, And because it, as a former soldier, I mean, I would assume that he would know his the lay of the land and like which way is north and how to kind of navigate that area. But I was just curious, like how long that would take to actually do, you know? Yeah, I, I'd say it looked like a couple of days or at least, you know, through through that one day and then into the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, you know, there's the fireside scene. So there's at least that. Um, and And he is just... Yeah, just trying to survive. But uh, but I think he knew where he was going. So he, he knew, okay, I've got to be heading this way. And he probably would have passed the town and known that, yep, that town was like 30, 40 k's back that way. He's just going to have to keep walking until he gets there. So yeah. I was a little confused that when he finally gets to the rendezvous point, where are we? I mean, and I'm trying to figure out, like, if the plan had not gone awry, you know, is that the place they were supposed to meet? Like, it seems like another car chop shop i mean they haven't gone back to sydney no. right they've gone no 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 no, no. To- yeah no that, no that's out in the country absolutely yeah so, so for- that's so yeah so, so i don't know because like the, if it was a drug deal they didn't sell the drugs or maybe raf did we didn't see it um but i guess it was to deliver what i assume were the drugs but the, you could see in the background of uh, some of the shot there they had like a breaking bad style sealed in plastic sort of what do you call them like a uh, greenhouse and somebody uh-huh. yeah somebody was cooking meth out there so maybe that's where they cook the meth and then they take it back to sydney and sell it so i, I figured that before we get to that point mm-hmm. so um i actually caught it last night on air i watched the whole thing on hulu today but i caught it like halfway i caught it last night on air and decided to watch it from the time that he is 
at the water after the fire at night when he's at the water washing his face in the river or whatever. Yep. And then I watched it to the end. So I had no idea how he, I knew that Zoe wasn't around. So something <laughs> happened to Zoe. Right. Huh. But I didn't know how he got here. And so I adore like, that. I so, love that. Well, you yeah, know me, you I got to know the, yeah. I got to know yeah. the endings of things. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I stuck with it. And so th- let us not, let us not overlook the scene of him getting the slim Jim. And this is what I mean by the show being so quiet after everything that's happened with Zoe and the couple and everything that he's been through to be able to as casual, as cool as the other side of the pillow to walk into this store Mm. and just have like a typical Mr. In-between conversation, this kind Mm -hmm. of prosaic, like, eh, what a, a," you know, that kind of like, here you go. Right. How you doing? You know, like that kind of conversation and just be non How's your day been? Yeah. Good. You? Yeah. Good. Like just a kind of standard conversation. I, you know, once I saw the beginning, right, right, have that moment hmm. as a character, I think is absolutely extraordinary. And it just that quiet is what like typifies this show. But he's to got to that. do that. That's why he's, as you say, that he's a ghost. He's a shadow because he's completely non-remarkable when he makes right. that transaction. So that later when the police come by, the guy's like, oh. And the I colors think- he's wearing. He's wearing like this kind of dull gray and black pants. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. There's just- nothing for somebody else to clock. Like, what's. Yeah. There was this weird guy who was in here and he was, he seemed yeah. all shook up and he seemed like he had a concussion and, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Actually, you, you made me realize, Brian, that the same quietness he bought when he went to see Remy and the guy was, <clears throat> the, the big guy was trying to heavy him, that Ray drops his voice and the, like the quieter that he speaks, the more danger you're in, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. he, he was talking to that guy who was barely above a whisper. Oh yeah, you know, I just want to, you know, is, is he up there? You know, can I have a look? I don't know. Not, hey, you know, yeah. get out of my way, motherfucker. All that yeah. sort of stuff, which we know yeah. is the antithesis of Mister In Between. But yeah, the, it just, it was just like, ooh, you don't know the danger you're in, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he gets to the rendezvous point, and he finds out right away that he, Rafi just, you know, ne- you know, she didn't make it mate or whatever that he knows he never even tried. And who God knows where her body is. God knows where they dumped her probably still alive somewhere. Well, and again, Rafi on the phone gives him the yeah. finger pause. Like I'll be with you in a second. I mean, everything about this guy makes me want him to die. Like in the mm. slowest, most possible way. Right. So then, yeah. um, so, and I don't really know, is he picking, I don't even know what he's doing at this point. Is he picking up money? Is he continuing the drug? I, I don't really know what. No, what, I think he's, I, th- I think he, he got his pay. He's got his pay off and, and he went, I think that's what it looked like to me. Cause he threw the, uh, an envelope down there, which I'm assuming was full of a big lot of cash. With his, yeah, his, with his, into his bag. Yeah. Bag yeah. of clothes. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I was just confused. Like, is this the end of the job? Is this like, is there more that he has to do? I don't even know. Um, so, okay. So he gets in in this new car. He drives past the ca- crash site, which he stares at it for a really good long time. And then it's all taped off. So police have been there. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the fuck has happened, but they've been there. 
and then um and then he goes to a literal crossroads it's not a very subtle um symbol (laughs) and it's a beautiful sunset or maybe it's a sunrise i have no idea but he gets out of the car and he can finally release you know i would and i was thinking brian i would love to know what the script says on the page about that those last moments i would just love to you know so what did you think that all meant? What did you think that all last sequence meant? Well, um, some uh, I, I did read something that made my eyes pop, and that is when there was a really weird scene when when Ray says, have you, have you got a car for me? And then Raph looks at one of the um, heavies and he nods and Ray says, where are the keys? And the guy says, there in the car, I thought he was going to get whacked, like mm-hmm. right there and then. Mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. no, he's he's this this could be it, you know. I don't know what's going on, but somebody wonders. Um, I read today whether Zoe's body is in the murk. I thought that too. And I wondered is, that too. Yeah, is is that going to come back to haunt him? And where are the photos? Were they left in the car? So the little yeah. Polaroids that they took, and eh, you know, whatever. Oh yeah, lots of yeah. loose little strings there. Mm. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see where they take it and what you know what Scott has decided to do with him at the end. Who knows? Yeah, well, I, 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 I literally have no idea what he's going to do. I, I mean, I think that it's I, the fact that they have referenced the magician for the first time in the previous episode, and we're coming up on the last episode. I think that that's. So he doesn't just make other people disappear. I think that he's going to make people disappear or he's going to make himself disappear, I should Mm -hmm. say. And I think that that last moment, I mean, you know, the questions that Brittany asked, like, are you happy or all of those things, all of the things that I've mentioned in terms of like the evolution of Ray and, you know, here's somebody who he, he called darling. I'll see you soon. And she was damaged. She was Mm -hmm. killed just by being with him. And I think that maybe this feeling of, of being jinxed, of being not good for people. I think maybe mm-hmm. he takes a, I think he takes a bow, well, you know. Hmm. Well, we, we will find out people. We will, all of this will be revealed. Brian, don't what don't read any spoilers. Don't uh, <laughs> we got to figure out when we're watching it because it would I'm not be going to make any. I'm not going to make any promises. I know. Brian's the kind of guy who looks deliberately looks at the last page of a novel. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I I, I stopped watching. So at the end of the eps, when they do a little quick cut montage. I watched it. No, 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 no. no, I don't want to know. No. Not me because I accidentally watched watched the whatever the coming attractions yeah. trailer and I saw the two elderly people in the yes. M- the RV and I was like okay when is that gonna I hate that I hate that I hate that anyway I love it um, I love it okay folks well here we go so apologies to Scott and Nash for my comments about the casting but hey I, I gotta be real right I mean I I have to call it when I see it I have to call it when I feel it and I'd love to see Emily Barclay in something else but. I just felt here, although I did feel a lot more for her, obviously, yeah. and I'll see you soon. Um, mm. You know, that, of course, that worked, you know, very well and you you can't help but feel for her. Uh, but anyway, it's just one, it's just my opinion, but uh, I'm sticking to it. So mm. for now, this is my sexy beast 
and me saying this is killer casting signing off we'll see you next time Killer Casting is a concept created and produced by me, Lisa Zambetti, with audio engineering by Dean Laffin, logo art by the lovely April Laffin, website and big old fat opinions courtesy of Brian Allen Hill.